0: This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria.
1: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, it's getting warm, June summer, huh?
2: Yes, it is. It's warm in New York City, and I love it. I can't. I like heat. I'm a hot weather person. <laughs> As, so for me, it's fabulous.
1: That's why I can't believe you left California, even for helping the nine eleven families. But I certainly appreciate that.
2: Yes, I know. You, you don't live in New York for the weather, okay? It's not why you live here. <laughs> but yes, there there would be nothing that could bring me here more than helping people find help after loss, which is what my mom and I are all about. So. Well, you know, I love being in New York, and I love helping people.
1: Heidi and I have been doing some public relations work and everything to try to uh, let people know more about our book, Open to Hope, Inspirational Stories of Healing After Loss, which I hope you've looked at. We've got fabulous articles in there, and one of the articles is by uh, our guest today, and we'll be talking about that. But Heidi, you got, you've had some interviewing related to that, haven't you?
2: I did. I just got off the phone with a reporter from the McClatchy Tribune. It's the third largest newspaper in the United States, and... They wanted to brainstorm with me on a question that they were not sure how to answer, and Mom, you'll like this because we have talked about this so much on the show. This is the question, and I'm sure a lot of our, our listeners can relate. It says, how soon is too soon to get rid of my dead husband's clothes? I wanted to do it the week after he died. My grown children were appalled. They said they wanted to go through the clothes and select a few to keep, but they never make time for this. Now we're at a stalemate. Any advice?
1: Wow. That's a tough one, Heidi. That takes me back. What's your thought?
2: It, it so takes me back. I can relate on such a personal level to this. One of the issues here is the widow would like to get rid of the clothes ASAP, and the children want her to keep them. And I said to the, the reporter on the phone, I said, look, once you get rid of these clothes, they're gone forever. Now, I can certainly understand why the widow wants to get rid of them. She wants to get rid of them, I'm guessing, because it's too painful to have them around. She loved it. I mean, it's, it's not because we want to get rid of the person. It's because clothes and seeing clothes just brings us back to the, the fact that we don't have that person in our lives anymore. They're gone permanently. And those clothes are such a, per, a part of them and who they are. So while I can understand that, the other side is once she's gotten rid of the clothes, they, she can't get them back. So, my advice, and Mom, you can chime in on this, is if t- having the clothes around is too painful and too difficult, put them away in storage bins right now until your children decide that they want to come over and look at them. But do not get rid of them right now. I would wait, personally. She's, this, this person has only been gone for a week. What are your thoughts,
1: Mom? I think that's right. And, you know, um, I kind of let Scott's friends go in and take a lot of his stuff. And I don't think that uh, you or, uh, or Rebecca or probably Heather were very happy about it. And it was a crazy thing. And I regret doing it now. And it would have been better to have put them in storage bins and put them away. But, you know, there's some, uh, you know, you're just driven by craziness and uh so the fact that she's asking the question is a good thing because she can step back and take some real realistic advice about it but you're right when i did that with scott and let his friends go up in his room and take stuff that was it you know it's gone and and uh that's the way it is and and y- you do have to live with it so you can't live with a lot of regret either it is what it is
2: it is what it is but, but in hindsight for those of you out there that are wondering should i get rid of the clothes or should i not Really, really think about, about do people want them? What does it mean to people to have them, et cetera? And, you know, to say I was mad is an understatement. I was livid. Because here my brother's things are things that meant something to me. Everything he wore had a story for me. And when the room was, and I understand my parents were going through a lot and they were in a very bad place. But when they opened up that room, it was like the freaking vultures came in. And everything was gone very quickly, and there were certain shirts and certain things in there that I, I really wanted. And one of the things that you did, Mom, a few years ago was that my parents did keep a few really important pieces of his clothing, and a few years ago, they made me a teddy bear with his from his New York Jets sweater, and I loved that. And I told this reporter that also... I. If you don't want to keep the clothes the way they are, you can make teddy bears, you can make hearts, you can make life quilts. There's a lot of things you can do with the clothes. So I really thank you for doing that because that was such an amazing gift to give me.
1: Well, thank you, and it's good to know that I uh, made up a few amends out there for some of the (laughs) mistakes I made early.
2: Well, and, you know, to your your credit, I've got to defend you for a minute (laughs) because, you know, kids can be hardcore on their parents. Let's not pretend they can't. But the thing about it, to be fair to you, you thought you were doing a good thing because you went into his friends and said, you guys, go into Scott's room and take something that means a lot to you. You know, so you were giving them a gift by giving them a piece of him and a piece of, well, a piece of his clothing, you know, yeah. part of his clothing and the things that were important to him. You know,
1: that, that really comes up for uh, something for me is that one of the problems and and one of the things that goes on after a loss is you want to do something. And sometimes maybe some of the active things that you do or say to to connect in some crazy way maybe aren't the best at the time. So take a deep breath if you've had a loss and uh, kind of think about it. Well, Heidi, we have got such a great guest today and somebody that we met at ADAC, Association of Death Educators. She, We did a presentation on Open to Hope, and she had come all the way from Scotland. Is that too cool or what?
2: It's amazing, and I love her accent. It's gorgeous. You're going to hear it in a minute. Yes, and she's a brief sibling, so that is so near and dear to my heart.
1: So why don't you go ahead and introduce Tabitha, Heidi?
2: Okay, Tabitha and I actually have a lot in common. I was telling my mom and Tabitha before the show, because Tabitha was also in her early 20s when her 17-year-old brother died, and he also died in a car accident, as did my brother. So we have a lot in common. Um, Tabitha is the author of Thriving Loss, Move Beyond Grief to a Place of Peace, Passion, and Purpose. And she's a leading expert in the field of grief, grief, and growth coaching. Her interest in this field stems from the death of her 17-year-old brother, Peter, who died in a car crash when she was only 22. Welcome to the show, Tabitha. Thank you. Hi, it's great to be on the show.
1: Now tell people where you live.
2: Um, I
3: live in a little village about 25 miles outside Edinburgh in Scotland, so uh, right on the other side of the world from you guys.
1: (laughs) That's wonderful, on the other side. I love it. And you came all the way to the United States. And Were you involved in uh, grief and loss education before your brother was killed?
3: Um, No, it was something that really um, only became, I got the interest in it after Peter died because I was doing uh, an undergraduate degree in psychology at the time. And I did, I think, what students do. They're like, oh, let's go and look at all of the information and try and understand this. And it just really caught my interest.
2: And I really found that I was actually quite passionate about it.
1: Hmm. Does that sound familiar, Heidi?
2: Um, kind of. I mean, I definitely got the passion, Tabitha, but i am it took me a couple of years. I mean, I think after Scott died, I was so devastated that it kind of, kind of threw me off kilter for a probably three years, and once I got, you know, decided what I want to do with my life and why am I here and found my purpose, then I really got on track. Now, it sounds like when you were, and I was also in college but ended up dropping out for a couple years, it sounds like you were in psychology, your brother died, and then did you just right away realize, okay, you know what, I want to devote my life to helping people that have gone through a loss?
3: Um, I mean, I I think it kind of happened very quickly, but I mean, there are Mm -hmm. similarities, because I did drop out of university for a couple of years before going back to finish the degree. Um, I knew I wanted to do something, and within a year I'd actually set up a charity to help young adults affected by bereavement in Scotland. Um, But I think the challenge for me is I knew I wanted to do it, but I was really struggling with my own grief at the same time, so it was almost like a seesaw. I wanted to do this, but then I'd go into my own grief and move back and forth and mm-hmm. it was I suppose kind of a bit messy actually um because I really wanted to help people but I actually hadn't taken the time to fully look after myself and deal with my own grief so it was kind of this this parallel process of, of doing them both
2: at the same time I, I like that and we see that all the time don't we mom mm-hmm. a- absolutely Where people want to reach out to others but then they it's, it is it's kind of like then the wave of grief comes over them and they're like wait a minute. I'm, I'm out there helping everybody else, but I need, to, I need to check in with myself, too, and give myself some permission to grieve also. Because mm. it, is, it is so overwhelming to lose a sibling in the prime of his life, and especially your younger brother, right? Because my brother was my younger brother also. Yeah. I mean, I, I think
3: the kind of thing was, I've been thinking about my grandparents because they were, well, I mean, they're still here, and they were getting older. I was like, wow, I'm going to have to contemplate that they're going to die. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh well, I didn't expect that one, and wow, I mean, there's no kind of, like, words to actually say how it is, because you have this assumption that, you know, your brother's going to be there, you're going to get older, we just reached that stage where he was starting to mature, so the relationship was growing and evolving, we were actually becoming more on equal level, he wasn't just my annoying little brother, you know, we could have deep Mm -hmm. conversations, so all of that was just taken away, it was like, oh, where did it go,
2: and... What do I do now? It is so true because we feel like there's going to be a natural order to things. And I remember my mom's father, my grandfather, we all, like he had had a stroke and he had been sick and he was getting older and we just assumed, we were always waiting for him to be the next one in the family to die. Remember, mom? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. So true and And very surprised. didn't,
2: Didn't you say to your dad, mom? Yeah, after Scott died, didn't you go to your dad and say, Dad, you can't die?
1: I told him he couldn't die for two years, <laughs> and he was very ill, and he did not die. He died that. my Scott was killed in April, and my dad died in April two years later.
2: Wow. That's amazing. So he was able to hold on for you and be there for you.
1: Absolutely. Wow. That takes me back. Well, you know, I'm I, I'm thinking about you too, about how you both kind of dropped out of school for a couple of years, and I think for people out there, bereaved siblings, but also for parents who worry about their kids after a loss, it does take time. People do have to take some time; they have to take a breather, and and they may be dropping out of school, and they may not be doing what you think they should be doing. It may make you worry more because you feel like what you know that they're missing out or losing track, or they're not following their life plan, or or whatever, but. Tabitha, I wanted to ask you, and, and Heidi can chime in on this too, Did how did you feel as a sibling? Did you feel like you got the kind of support you needed, or was it for your parents, or uh, how was that? Did you feel like you had to be a good uh, a good kid?
3: Um, That's a very good question. I can remember actually having a conversation with somebody about it and saying, well, it's so interesting, and it was actually one of my brother's friends, because I was saying, you know, it's so interesting, everybody's asking about mum how mum's doing and everything. Everything's asking because my brother was engaged at the time about the fiancé, but nobody seems to be asking about me, and nobody seems to be asking about you, and you're his friend, and it was just really odd because it was almost pushed, pushed aside, and I kind of got the feeling of, well, you weren't important, and because I'd also left home as well, then that mm-hmm. made it a different dynamic because I wasn't there all the time, but... Even though I was, you know, even though I wasn't there all the time and in the family house, it was still affecting me, and I really, really didn't think that um, I got the support that I needed at the time, and it was very much like pushed aside. And, but it, I mean, it's interesting because I'm sure if you said my mum, my mum would say, "Well, I was looking after my my kids," but I think it's different perspectives, isn't it? Everybody looks at it in a different way, and. I do think it was challenging to get the support
2: that I needed as a sibling. Well, Lauren, Tabitha, you're making such a good point because not only are we brief siblings, but we were out of the house. And there is this myth, and I'm going to say that again. It's a myth, people, that those if you weren't living in the house with your sibling, that somehow it, it didn't impact you as much. And it's not true. I, I was I was just as impacted as anybody else. You don't have to live with somebody day in and day out, to love them and have them be a big part of your life. Hmm. So, I mean, yes, I think that that gives us even that much less support. And the fact that we're siblings and the focus is really on the parents' loss. Society will focus on that more.
1: And if they're married, the parents get shoved out. <laughs> it's the spouse's loss. So it's it's interesting how how these, all, these things all come about. So here you two are, and you're both amazing women, what was the turnaround? What what helped you, Tabitha? And what about people who are out there who've lost a sibling? What kind of advice do you have and what are you doing?
3: Um, well, I mean, I think the turnaround for me, um, because I mean, I had some really bad coping mechanisms because I'd been bullied as a child and grown up in an abusive household. So, you know, drugs and alcohol were my coping mechanism, which kind of increased as I was trying to cope with this. But the kind of turning point came is when I thought, wow, I actually really love my brother and I want to show people how much I love him and by me not making a success of my life in effect I'm disrespecting him and the thought of people saying, God, she really you know, when her brother died that really ruined her life and when that thought came into my head I thought, Wow, I don't want anybody to say that because, you know, I really love my brother and I I really want to show people how much he meant to me so Turning around and realising that there was actually an alternative way—that if you actually say, "Okay, I want to to do something to show how much I care for him and to you know to live for him as well and mm-hmm. make a difference in the world thanks to him—that was my my turning point. But I think it takes it takes a long time because it's not just as easy as saying, "Okay, that's what I'm going to do." you've still got to deal with all the emotions that are coming up at the same time. So for me, I found the more that I actually started focusing on, well, what can I actually do to make a difference? Well, the first thing is I need to take care of myself because I can't help anybody else if I'm not helping other people. So what do I need to do for myself first and foremost that then will allow me to actually be able to help other people? So it was very much about really giving myself permission to actually acknowledge my feelings and say it's okay because I would get really frustrated because I'd be like I know he's dead I don't understand why I'm having this thought I don't understand why I'm angry I don't understand why I'm missing him and it didn't make sense and then I would get frustrated and impatient with myself and I think we have this idea in society that grief is a lot shorter than what people actually expect so then when it gets six months down the line and you're still Having all these upsurges of grief, you start getting impatient and think, "What's wrong with me?" And it's realizing that there's actually nothing wrong with you, and being able to actually accept that it's your grief and it's your journey, is probably one of the biggest things that I I did
2: for myself.
1: Wow, how did you identify with some of that?
2: Totally, Tabitha, I love you, and I don't even know you, but I so <laughs> I so feel like I do because I completely completely relate to what you're saying. I feel like I want people to know how much I love Scott and that I feel like I'm living my life for both of us and that my work is a tribute to his life and he was so full of life and such a positive person and I do feel like I'm living not only for myself but for him and his legacy. So I love that you said that. Wonderful.
1: So, So, Tabitha, tell us about your, you know, you have a book, right? Tell us about that. Tell us about where people can find you and and about your coaching. Are you Skyping coaching? And tell us what's up.
3: Yeah, I do. I do Skyping coaching. So I work with one-to-one clients um, all over the world, um, which is basically very much about um, what we've just said there. How do you actually take a loss and work through the pain, let go of the grief, and create lasting legacies that can positively impact the world. Um, My book is available on Amazon and in bookshops as well. And I really wanted a way, because for me, when I was reading about grief, it was hard to understand the processes. And then one thing that's really common, you know, everybody talks about the stages of grief and that didn't make sense for me. And I wanted to find a way to explain grief that people could understand. So this is what the book's about, because as I started working with my one-to-one clients, I actually saw that there was this, this pattern emerging, and there was like five key things that they were all doing. And the book basically talks about this process called the Tree of Transformation, which uses the symbolism of a tree, because grief, it's holistic in that five parts that everybody was doing, they all function independently, but you need strength in all of these five parts, just like the different parts of a tree, in order to really fully thrive after the loss of somebody. So give us us the
1: title of your book and tell people where to find it.
3: It's Thriving Loss, Move Beyond Grief to a Place of Peace, Passion and Purpose, and you can find it at Amazon.com and in bookstores as well.
1: And tell us about your website.
3: My website is www.tabithajame.com and that's T B I T H E G E Y N E. and you can download an excerpt of the book there and I've got lots of blog articles and other free bits and bobs and videos and stuff there that people can go and check out.
1: And you can find her on our website, opentohope.com and you can read things like Choose to Let Go of Grief and Pain, The Unique Nature of Sibling Loss, Don't Just Heal, Grief, Transform It. She's got fabulous articles on our site. You can comment on the articles that she writes. And uh, she's in, again, our book, Open to Hope, Inspirational Stories of Healing After Loss. And, Tabitha, thank you so much for everything you're doing in the name of your brother. I love it.
2: Thank you,
1: Tabitha. Thank you. Well, Heidi, what a great show. Isn't it fun to have people like Tabitha writing for us?
2: Absolutely. I love it, and I love her story. And, She's doing so much for so many people in the world, and she's such a great author because she writes a lot for us, and she gets a lot of feedback, and I love that she's doing it with Peter in mind, and, you know, it's interesting because although these, I've always said it, although these losses may have defined our lives, they in no way have destroyed our lives. I mean, these, these Peter and Scott are doing as much in their death as they did in their life. They are touching so many people today.
1: Well, thank you uh, for talking about this whole sibling thing. For a parent, it is really fascinating to hear two people uh, talk about it and discuss it. And I hope that all of you out there will tell your friends and families about our shows because uh, we depend on you to let people know that we're here at Open to Hope and also on the radio. Please stay tuned again next week for more of Open to Hope.
0: You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are they made it through and you can too as long as you're open to hope